0: Thank you guys, appreciate that. You guys okay? Couple of you are okay? (laughs) And then, yeah, just a couple, okay. All right, well, let's just go home. All right. (laughs) No (laughs) way. He just, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh man, just one word, and I could tell who it came from, so I love it. man, it's a, it's a good day to, to be together. Uh, I'm excited about getting a share today. Uh, what a blessing uh, this is to get to share. Um, we uh, uh, as a church, you know have uh, you know, been kind of on this simple mission, if you will, uh, for uh, well, eighteen plus years now. And, uh, you know, to to be honest with you, 18 plus years ago, uh, when we started the church, you know, it, really, it was really birthed out of like this just belief that God was calling us to start a church, to reach people that were going unreached maybe by a lot of other churches and just that, you know, we felt like God was calling us to do something that was a little different, not right over everybody else's got it wrong or anything like that. Just This is just what God, we felt God leading us to do. And so we started. We started 24, and and you know we were uh, we were all in our 20s. We probably should have been shot on site. Uh, we didn't know what we were doing, and uh, but uh, you know we 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 wanted you know we wanted to take Jesus to the world, and so we were ready to charge hell with a water pistol, and so we were we were game on, and um, and so you know but. The funny thing is, is it's interesting because it's easy. It can be easy uh, in a church setting, even as a pastor, uh, to you, you want to win people to your church, um, and you know, and and there's a fine line there because obviously we're called to be a part of the body of believers, and and the church is important, and and we're all called to be a part of it and an active part of it, and you know, a functioning, ministering part of it or whatever. And, and uh, all these things we see in Scripture, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to win people to 24. We want to we win people to Jesus. Um, and we don't want to take 24 to people. We want to take Jesus to people, right? And, and so that, that's just this important piece of the mission, and it's always been an important piece of the mission um, you know of, of this church and, and hopefully and hopefully all churches I know that's not, not always, always true but uh, hopefully it's always true here um, but you know we had this we had this thought of what this looked like you know at least and you know and it was this you know can we can we have a can we be a part of a church that, that teaches the word uh, but that worships in a way that connects with us, <laughs> uh, musically that moves us in, 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 in worshiping, you know, I, you know, always had this kind of like a, you know, why to, why to, you know, why is the only time I'm really enjoying music is in the car and, you know, with the radio cranked up or whatever. And the idea of even, even volume is just that people could, you know, worship and, and sing and, and not be worried about people around them, hearing them and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, um, but uh, you know that's that's you know that you know this mu- this music that inspires us and, and to be this Acts two church you know that we see this picture of in Scripture you know and if you've not ever studied on that you should totally study on that um, you know and see all these things that they do and you know that they're that they're they're together you know they're worshiping together uh, they're they're sharing their resources as anyone would have need they're selling things if they have to sell things to take care of one another I mean just like no holds barred. Like we're all in. We're we're here. It's it's a it's a picture of a family, is what it is, and uh, and and to be like, okay, what did you know? What does that look like? Of course, at that time, you know, what does that look like in two thousand and five, uh, which is weird. Uh, but to say, you know, what's that look like in two thousand and twenty three? To be that church and to be that church that's taking uh, Jesus into the world, um, you know, and you know, just being generous with one another, loving one another, all these things. You know, but e- even there, you know, there was there was still, I think, probably in, in some of our minds, because again, you're trying to get this new thing off the ground, and you obviously you wanted to succeed, nobody wants to fail, um, but we wanted it to succeed for the kingdom, uh, and not for us, or not anybody's name, or you know, any of that kind of stuff, and And so, um, you know, in in through all that, you know, there's, but there's this, this, this still little piece of like, you know, well, we're going to, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to do this. And it's almost kind of like this, if you build it, they will come, you know, kind of a mentality. Um, But we, we want, again, we, we don't want to win people to 24, we want to win people uh, to Jesus. And, and this simple, this simple mission of taking Jesus to people, I believe is one of these things that gets in the way for so many Christians, like they feel so uncomfortable with it. So if I were, you know, if if, forget me, if the Lord were to put someone in front of you today that doesn't know Jesus and he's placing on your heart, tell them about Jesus. Can you do it? Can you do it? And we have overcomplicated the most simple thing of all the things that we're called to do. And the very thing that changed our life, you know, will instead, you know, be like, oh, 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 you want to know about Jesus? Hold on, I'm going to phone a friend. You know, hey, um, are you, are you, do you have a few minutes? I've got, I've got somebody over here that's like want to talk about Jesus and stuff, you know. And it's like, oh, didn't he change your life too, you know? And again, you know, so simple. And so I, I want to share with you this, I want to share with you a passage of Scripture that hopefully, if, if nothing else, if you can remember, if you can remember this one verse, I'm going to read more than the one verse, but if you can remember the one verse, it basically walks you through it. In fact, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, if you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles. They'll be glad to bring you one. Get your hand up. Let them know that you need it. If you don't own one, you can keep that one. We'd love for you to have it. Uh, but Romans chapter 10. And in Romans chapter 10, uh, we see uh, this beautiful picture of the gospel, okay? Romans 10, and in verse 9, it says this. You ready? Romans 10, verse 9, it says this. It says, It says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. Why do we struggle with that? Why do we struggle with that? We struggle with that because we're so used to earning everything. And the truth is, is that in churches all across the land, you know, we've got people that are still saying, they'll say, it's all about Jesus, and only, you're saved only by, you know, God's grace and the blood of Jesus and all these things. You know, and then out of the same mouth, some of those people will say things like, but don't do this because you'll go to hell. That doesn't work, you know. The only only way we're going to hell is if we never believed in our heart in Jesus, right? So the other thing is a legalism thing. Just go ahead and sweep that thing off, okay? And move along and, and recognize it for what it is. And quit beating yourself up in your heart because you're still struggling with some sin in your life. And say, you know what? I am still struggling with the sin in my life, but Lord, I want you to—I want to want to recognize that you've healed me from it, and I can walk away from it. And you want to be victorious over it, right? And so, for us to read this one verse, this one verse walks us through those moments of someone wanting to know how can I receive Jesus as my Savior, and it—and it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the first part of that, the confessing part, you know, Jesus is Lord. Well, anybody can say words, right? But then there's the second part. But if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that second part, this heart piece, the believing in piece, is this important piece because nobody else can do that for you. I can't do that for you. No one can make you do that. No one can make you believe something in your heart. And you can pretend to believe it. You can go through life pretending. Like I, you know, there was a point in my life where I'd gone, grew up in church, I'd gone to church all my life, dad's preacher. I could pick all the locks in the building. I mean, just, you know, whatever, right? You know, but at the end of the day, there was a day in my life. Where God had me recognized, He convicted my heart, and He helped me to see, Chris, you know a lot about me, but you don't know me. And so you can go to church your whole life and not know Jesus and have a relationship with Him, so be careful with that, and be honest with yourself of have you, do you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead? Have you believed in the gospel? Because that's the most important piece to this, okay? Okay. Now, we could stop there, but I want to I continue to read part of this passage to you, uh, just because I think it's good for us. And it says, verse 10, it says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. So in other words, he's saying it does not matter your background, it does not matter your ethnicity, it does not matter where you came from, Jew or Greek, he is the same Lord and is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. On all who call on him. On all who believe in their heart that that Jesus is risen from the dead. And then verse 14 uh, verse 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's amazing. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. But God has done that for me and for you. Verse 14, it goes on says, How then will they call on Him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how... So we have this picture of how God does this. And its I won't say it's complete because there's also the piece of the puzzle that we see in Scripture more clearly of, of God you know, speaking to our hearts through the Holy Spirit or whatever, which I want to add that in, right? You know, but we have this understanding that people have to hear the gospel. Where are they going to hear the gospel? How are they going to hear the gospel? Well, when we started the church 18 years ago, You know, the the whole idea was that we feel called to be missionaries right here to these people right here. And what does that look like? You ever been on a mission trip? You know that almost nothing goes as planned. Almost nothing goes as planned. I love a mission trip. I love, I love the opportunity for everything to absolutely go haywire and watch everybody around me lose their minds, and I just laugh at them. I'm like, <laughs> that's so funny. You guys are so way down right now. They're like, what are we going to do? You know. Well, we're going to try to take Jesus to people. How about that? You know, Well, but this didn't work out. Well, something else will. We're going to figure it out, you know. And uh, type A's, man. They, uh, I, love, I love them. I love you guys, man. I love you guys. I love watching y'all wig out sometimes, though, too. So just so you know, you're like God's entertainment for people like us, you know. But you see this need for them to hear the good news of Jesus. For people to believe in something, they have to know about it, right? And how are they supposed to know about it? Well, he lays it out here, you know, that it has to be preached, it has to be taught, you know. Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So for us to have this understanding of, you know, that we're called to do that and we're called to be missionaries in this place, and if we are here and this is our people you know, and then, and and that's something that you can lose sight of real easily. You know, I'll just be honest with you. I mean, it's it's real easy to get caught up in day to day stuff or whatever, and and next thing you know is like you had this mission, okay, and then you're like, well, but we're just trying to survive over here. We're just trying to you know, do some, you know, churchy stuff or whatever. By the way, I can't stand churchy stuff most of the time, you know. Uh, you know, I don't mean that in a bad way. I think you understand what I'm saying there. It's just easy to get, like, bogged down in just junk, you know. It's like, you know, the the systems and the stuff and, you know, But and you, and you got to have that stuff. You have to have that stuff. But that's not the main thing. And so, you know, over the years, I've gone to uh, people like our former sheriff and, uh, and our new sheriff's great, too, by the way, uh, and he, he knows our heart is is in this place as well. But uh, to go to our former sheriff and say things like, you know, hey, you know, what can we do to make this place a better place because we're in it? And I've gone to him at times and said, yeah, I was like, I, I don't think you understand. Like, this church is full of special people. And he's like, I've heard, you know, yeah, I'm, you know, everybody feels like their church is full of special people. Yeah, I get it. You know, and I'm like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't think you understand. Like, there's something, something incredibly weird and crazy and cool and abnormal about these people, okay? And, uh, you know, and, and stuff like, you know, we just have tons of entrepreneurs and we have got, you know, all, all of these things, you know, about it that I'm just like, you know, God's doing something here and it's for a reason, right? And so, anyway, um, several years ago, uh, anyway, he, uh, so to fast forward, he, he's, he he finally one day told me, he said, I, he kept saying, I don't know what to tell you, Chris, I don't know what to tell you. I'd keep asking him this question, every time I'd see him, he'd see me coming, and I could tell, like, he'd be like, oh, man, here he's going to ask me this question again, you know. And so one day I'm in his office, and I need him to sign something for me, and, and I ask him the question again. He's like, Chris, I just I just don't know what to tell you. And then he said, you know, I, I here's what I see. I see... My officers going out every day into some of the same neighborhoods, dealing with some of the same stuff over and over again, and and it's just like they're it's like a cycle. And these kids, they even grow up in these cycles, and that's all they know, that's all they see, and that's all that they think there is. And it's the drug use, the addiction, and all of these things, and it's just it's killing these families, and it's a generational passed down to a generation to a generation thing, and I just hate it. And I said, "That's it." And he said, "What?" I said, "I don't know, but that's it." And I said, "We gotta, we gotta figure something out with that." And so, burden began to start there. And then, um, Christmas—I um, I don't, I don't know how many years ago—but it was the first Christmas that I can remember that we, as a church, decided that on that Christmas, when Christmas fell on a Sunday that we were not going to have Sunday morning services. We did our Christmas Eve thing. We had a big Christmas Eve blowout thing like we always do. But then on that Sunday morning being Christmas Day, we said, hey, you go be with your families and, you know, worship the Lord together and all that kind of stuff. And we did that. And it was real strange for me because, uh, you know, I got, I've, got a, I've got a Sunday morning routine. Pretty much every Sunday of my life is, you know, very similar and, you know, my getting up and the things that I do and all this stuff. And that day, I was able to sleep in a little bit, and we got up. Well, I don't sleep in too much because the kids are waking you up, wanting to open everything up, right? And so, you know, you know we, we got to do gifts and all that stuff, and then my parents were going to come over and all this kind of thing. And, uh, but what was weird about it was I get a, you know, uh, I'll never forget because I'm looking out our kitchen window, and from our kitchen window, we can see one of our neighbor's houses on fire burning. And I'm like, golly, man, look, oh, gosh, you know, and then here come the, we can hear all the emergency vehicles coming and all this. And then my phone rings. People don't normally call me on Sunday morning, right? And my phone rings, don't you dare call me right now. I'll call you, I'll call you out if you do. Um, And I'll make fun of you somehow, I'll find a way. Uh, But, uh, but no, and, and my phone rings and I answer it and it's the sheriff's department. And they said, hey, look, um. You know, we're we're sorry to bother you. We know it's Christmas. I'm like, do you know it's Sunday morning? And you can't, you don't normally get a pastor on the phone on Sunday morning. But, it, 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 you know, I'm just thinking, this is kind of weird. And they said, you know, our, our normal chaplain is not in town. He's on vacation. I'm like, well, no kidding. It's Christmas, right? And uh, and so they're like, hey, we, we need you if you can, if you've got time, if you're willing, we need you to come to a scene. And I said, well, actually, uh, I think I'm, I think I'm looking at that scene out my window here. And uh, I started describing what was going on in the fire. And I said, I was actually just thinking about riding over there just to check on this family. Uh, you know, and they said, okay. So they said, uh, wait, where, what, where are you at? And I, I told them, you know, where our neighborhood is and stuff. And they're like, uh, I, no, actually, we need you to go to a different scene. We need you to go a little further down the street to a different neighborhood. And it was one of those neighborhoods the sheriff had mentioned and um, they said, "We, you know, we've got a we've got a situation with an overdose, and a and a child." And I said, "Okay." And so um, I get in the car, go to this thing. I pull up on the scene, and there's there's police everywhere. No, I know several of them. I can tell everybody. It's a very somber situation. A lot of people upset, people crying. I'm seeing. Officers that I know that I'm kind of trying to like speak to them, hoping maybe they'll. And they're, I mean, they're just silent. They they got no words. And um, <laughs> I walk up and I find this little boy about eight years old. Who had found his dad on Christmas morning. He didn't know me from anybody. I didn't have anything that I could say or do for him or give him in that moment. Thank you, brother. I didn't have anything that I could do for him or say to him in that moment that was going to make it all go away. It just was what it was. And in that moment, I stood around and I thought about all these guys that see this stuff all the time. And I know that they do. And I hear them talk about it. And I thought, this is our mission field. What are we doing about this? You know? Like, at this point, you know, starting to hear more and more about overdoses and stuff. And I've, you know, been around ministry my whole life, so I'm no stranger to seeing people struggling with addiction and all these kinds of things. But in that moment on that day, you know, something happened where God was just like, you we have to do something. We can't ignore. And so, you know, I began just to ask questions. I was, you know, I was asking questions to people like, is this is this just the norm is this like the way it is everywhere does it happen more around here maybe than other places and and, and most people were kinda of giving me the like it's pretty much the norm in this day and age don't be dumb everybody's you know so many people are doing this stuff or whatever you know and then the whole fentanyl thing and how that's you know really changed the game and it's basically like playing Russian roulette if you're gonna use drugs these days um... and so um, anyway uh, that That conversation was the same until I met someone that my dad actually knew who was a very high-up DEA agent. In fact, he was over uh, all of the state of Tennessee for the DEA. And I got in a conversation at a lunch. We were at like lunch after church one day, and Dad had had him come share something at their church, and we're sitting there talking, and I said, uh, Dad said, you know, Chris has got a real heart for this. He's trying to figure out what they can do as a church, you know, maybe you got something to to give him, and and so he said, well, tell me, where's your church at, and tell me a little bit about that, and so I told him, and told him kind of a couple of things that have been happening, you know, some of the funerals that I had done, you know, in more recent days that uh, were people, people that came to our church who died of addiction, it doesn't discriminate, by the way, it doesn't care how much money you make or what you look like, okay, um, and so, um, Anyway, I start telling him this and I said, it just feels like it's more extreme to some degree for us, but I don't know if that's true or not. And he's like, and so where are you? And I said, We're in Cheatham. And he's like, Yeah, I mean, I think it is, you know, whatever. And and so the conversation good conversation. He was very supportive. He's like, you know, appreciate your heart. And you know, if I think of anything, I'll let you know. He later in the week he calls me. Calls me on the phone. I'm downtown Nashville, I'll never forget where I'm standing. Because people were like waiting on me, and I'm like, I'm listening to this conversation right now. You're gonna have to wait. And um, he calls me and he says, um, "I've been running some numbers. I've been trying to like figure out some of the stuff from our conversation." He said, "Chris, I don't think anybody's really talking about it." He said, "But you know, I, I you know, there's a certain per capita, like overdoses per capita that I can kind of gauge based upon you know the numbers that we have over the last few years or whatever." He said, you know, and he named this part of the country. He was like, you know, there's this part of the country where, like, they're here. They're, they're number one. Like, it's the worst situation ever for, like, overdoses and all that. And he said, you know, and you know most people are kind of, you know, most other areas are kind of down here or whatever. He's like, but then he's like, to be honest with you, Chris, you guys are, like, right here. You're right there under. It's like, Chris, it's, it's almost not enough to almost not say that it's not the same. You know, and I was like, "Okay, well, that kind of confirms me. Just feeling like it just seems like a lot, you know." And he said, "No, it is. It's a lot." Um, and again, just kept saying, "What do we do? What do we do? We can't ignore it. What are we going to do?" So, you know, we've been supportive and a part of different programs and different addiction recovery programs and stuff over the years. We've helped the drug court system here in Cheatham. We still do. Every Christmas you buy angel tree gifts for kids that uh, have parents that are in the drug court system, which means that they're they're overcoming. They're they're doing they're working a program. They're out trying to better life and get back with their families and all that kind of stuff. And we're able to help support that, which is awesome. Uh, We've got good friends that help lead those things. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I'm kind of coming back, and I'm, I'm, you know, at this point, I'm like, it's so heavy on my heart, I can't not talk about it with the church, and so I talk about it with the church, but at the same time I'm talking about it, I'm going, I feel like we're supposed to do something here, and then, of course, people are like, look at me, go, okay, what are we going to do, and I'm like, I don't know, which really stinks as a leader, by the way, when you're in that boat, when when you know that God's leading you to do something but you don't know what it looks like and it's one of those like you got to wait on the Lord moments right but it's just it's just tough you don't know you don't know what this looks like and and in the middle of all this then I have this crazy dream like a literal dream and many of you've heard me talk about that it's on a message you can go listen to the podcast or the See the thing or whatever, and I won't share it with the rest of you today because all the new people will run away if they hear it because they'll think he's crazy, okay? But it's like the one time in my life, like I woke up and was like, oh my gosh. Like God, like really just spelled out a whole bunch of stuff. And in the midst of that was, you know, clearly this calling to move forward with something. And then just shortly after that, God put us in touch through one of our staff members with these folks that run a program called the Hope Center, a ministry called the Hope Center. And so, um, then, as we listened to them and heard what they had to say, the first time, like, it seemed like all the lights turned green, and we're just supposed to just drive as fast as we can through this thing. Which, by the way, isn't as fast as that I would really like it most of the time. Um, And that's usually the way it is when you're leading, but, you know, a lot of this is you can't make stuff happen overnight. So that being said, I have invited with us this morning uh, Stephen Park and Zach Grace, and they're going to come with us. And if you would, would you welcome them up to the stage for them to come share with us today? <laughs> come on up. Don't be afraid. So this is Stephen Park. this is Zach Grace, and uh, I just got to meet Zach today. Uh, What a blessing, what a blessing. Uh, And uh, Stephen's, he's a pretty good blessing. Uh, But, uh, uh, no, Stephen and I have actually become really good friends over these last few years. Uh, I don't know, I I can't even track how long ago it was that we met. I'm going to guess it's been a couple years now at some point. Uh, But uh, Stephen came in and shared with our staff. Uh, it was a great thing. Uh, I've, asked, I've asked them to come today because I'd like for uh, them to help educate us, help our people know. I know we have a lot of newer people now that are part of 24 that have not heard us talk about uh, all the things with the Hope Center. Uh, but basically, the Hope Center ministry is a ministry that has... Um, Uh, Sober living houses addiction recovery homes, but it's not just it's not just that they got a house and a home and a place to just go Like get away from the world. It's 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 a complete program I'm going to ask Stephen and Zach if they will to kind of share with us this morning Stephen if you would uh, Tell us a little bit about you your story uh, the Hope Center kind of help educate uh, our folks
1: Yes, my name is Stephen Polk. I'm regional director of Hope Center Ministries here in Tennessee now, I'd like to start out by telling all of you, you know, that uh, nobody wakes up one day and decides, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and be a crackhead. You know, uh, it's not something that, that just happens. We don't wake up and decide to be an addict one day. But life happens. Things happen. You know, I was Mr. WCHS at school, was the coolest kid you ever met. But uh, I wanted to fit in with everybody, so I decided to drink a little, started to party a little. And one thing led to another, and the next thing you know, I'm smoking crack. I'm making math. I'm completely addicted to any and everything I can get my hands on. So much so that in 2007, I was convicted of my sixth manufacturing charge. And they gave me 16 years in prison to serve. But the good news is, is I met someone in there named Jesus. And he changed my life forever. And uh, I told him I'd follow him. I don't care what it is or what I had to do, I'd follow him the rest of my life. And it turns out that ends up being Hope Center. Um, Hope Center is a three-phase program. Uh, We are Christ-centered. Everything we do is the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know. Uh, The men and women that come into our program, we work hand-in-hand with the legal system, with local churches, uh, with people in the community. Everybody we're after, uh, they're from here. They're your neighbors, kids, your aunts, uncles, moms, and dads. Uh, Everybody we're after is from this location. So let's say if we opened up a Hope Center right here at 24 Church, with an hour a drive of this location is the, the men and women we're after to get in here to get help. Uh, one of the things that separates us from other programs is the support system we're trying to build. You know, when a person does reach that limit where they've gotta go and get help, a lot of times it's, it's a place way away from where they actually live. Uh, 90% of the time when someone gets out of treatment, they go right back home and they don't have that support system that they've had for the 30 days, the 90 days, or however long that program is. What we do here is we build a support system around the church. Uh, These men and women have a church to belong to. They have a Hope Center to belong to, a CR meeting they belong to. It's one of the things that separates us from other programs out there. That and we are unapologetically Christ-centered. Everything we do is about the gospel of Jesus and getting men and women saved. Uh, So the first phase of our program is 45 days. That is intense Bible studies. That's dealing with the brokenness that's inside someone. That's finding those hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and getting them the gospel. Showing them there is someone that loves them. There is someone that cares about them. And that is uh, just counseling one-on-one, a lot of groups throughout the week. Uh, Zach will tell you more about that. Uh, the second phase of the program is our vocational training part of the program. Uh, we teach these men and women real life skills. A lot of the factories in the community here will partner with us and they train these men and women to work a real life job, to learn how to be real people in the community. Uh, So they partner with us, and a lot of these places, uh, once the residents reach the phase three of the program, they've been trained with uh, these life skills, with these job skills, to take on a real world job. So they get hired, they get hired with benefits, with insurance, Uh, they become productive members of society again, and through this full year process, we've taught these guys that have lost everything, that have never known what you know life is really like outside of addiction, we've taught them that Christ loves you. We've taught them that you can be different. We've taught them that you are not what society has called you or said that you are. You are an overcomer. You are victorious in Jesus Christ. And you are a son and daughter of the Most High King. And that's our main goal with Hope Center. We want them to see who they really are. We want them to see who they are in Christ. So that's kind of how our program works.
0: Uh, Stephen, if you would talk for just a minute, or Zach, either one, uh, talk for just a minute about uh, what it looks like for a church to be a sponsoring church. What does that really mean? That piece of being a sponsoring church.
1: Okay. So what we do to, as far as being a sponsoring church, uh, as you can imagine, uh, Hope Center, it cost. We're we're looking at one point one to one point two million dollars for every location we have to open. So for us to get off the ground and going, we asked the church for a sponsorship fee, which for here it's $200,000. Uh, as you can imagine, uh, buy what do you think down payment on a $2 million or $1 million house is? You know, that doesn't even touch it really, especially when you gotta buy vans, pay staff, fully furnish the house, but it gets us going.
0: And to be clear, how many people are living in these houses? Because it's not, you can't just go buy any house. No, right?
1: it's, a, it's a massive house. So we try to house 30 men or 30 women per location.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we've been, you know, we've been at this already for those that are newer to 24. We've been at this for a little while. Where we've been raising money. We started an offering several years ago called the Big Give. And the Big Give is a, you know, kind of a one-time-a-year offering where we ask folks to just pray about uh, giving kind of an above their normal giving, you know, some kind of a gift uh, that God might lead you to do. Um, and so, uh, you know, we started, we did, we did a Big Give last year. We also had uh, a golf scramble uh, we uh, did a song uh, songwriters night, songwriters round thing, uh, some other things too uh, throughout the year that have helped raise a little money here or there. I believe we're up to around the hundred and twenty thousand ish uh, mark, or close to it, or something. Uh, and so we're over halfway to this goal of doing this. Uh, and so you know, I'll talk a little more about the big give here in a minute. But we're having a big give next week uh, to help with that. But yeah, so that's this is the two hundred thousand is basically like a it's not paying for the thing. Uh, they're paying for it. Uh, this is kind of like, a, hey, we're serious. Here's our skin in the game, you know, to kind of help a little bit uh, with it. We want to be this sponsoring church. We're, we're dead determined that this is, this is what the Lord's leading us to do uh, kind of thing. Um, but at the end of the day, they own the house. They run the ministry, uh, all of those things. They don't take a dime of government money so the government can't tell them how to do it so that it can be all completely Christ-centered. Uh, that is such a huge deal to them. Uh, and and, and I'm, I'm telling you, we've seen, I've seen, and some of you have seen, uh, the effects of the Hope Center ministry, the house that Stephen is over now, uh, I consider it in Springfield. It's basically on the highway between Jolton and Springfield, so it's technically Coopertown call it whatever you want, I call it Springfield if I'm going down the highway, Uh, you know, but uh, uh, Stephen has also, we're very blessed that he's this close to us, Stephen is also the person who has helped open and get started so many of these other hope centers, which there are about,
1: Uh, you know, I think by the end of the year we'll have 50 here in America.
0: Yeah, so it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. But this this is a year long program where they're they're not they're they're getting counseling like you like you already you say it's a ton of counseling on the front end then counseling throughout but then they're going to work the money that they're making at work is helping pay for the house uh, and then at the same time then toward the end of the program money is going into a, a savings thing to help them to get on their feet when they get out I mean uh, you know th- there's so much to love about this thing uh, that plus uh, you know you guys have built such a relationship. Now and a reputation, especially in these parts, which is where the Hope Center Ministries actually started is in these parts, uh, that uh, a lot of judges and people that have power who can make decisions when there's somebody standing in front of their bench that is about to go to jail, they can say, well, you can go to jail for X amount of time or if you would like. I can send you over to this house house with these crazy guys that have like a crawfish boil every, you know, few weeks or something. Uh, you know, which one are you going to choose, you know? Uh, and so, uh, you know, a lot of these guys get to work, you know, go to the program that way, uh, never expecting that this may be the thing that is going to lead them to the Lord and completely change their lives. Um, and uh, I love that about it. And it's not, it's not, they, you know, it's not a... You know, if, if even one of them woke up one day and said, hey, I don't want to be here anymore, well, then he can take them back to the powers that be. Uh, but if it's somebody else that's not there because of one of those reasons, uh, you know, we're talking about a situation where they wake up and I don't want to be here, you take them home. You know, it's, it's they don't have to escape in the middle of the night. It's not Alcatraz. It's, you know, you know, whatever. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a, there's a huge piece to that. Um, what, uh how, how can we as a church get involved? Let, let's, okay, let's say we become a sponsoring church. We start a Hope Center that's going to be right here close by, here in Cheatham or somewhere. And uh, we get this thing going, and all these folks are going to start coming to church with us, right? They'll start worshiping with us. They're going to start serving with us. One of the cool things I love about this is the, one of the only times that family members of people who have a loved one in the program... One of the only times that they can see them is to come and worship with them. And so they will come, and we will get to minister to not just the folks in the program, but also their families. And I know that's a big part of your heart in this, is that it's not just about that person, but it's about their families as well.
1: Yeah, we're getting everybody. We want them all.
0: Yeah, and, and by want them all, we want them to Jesus, you know. Uh, and so... Um, Anyway, you know, all of that, but but beyond that, what are some other things that, that our people can sink their teeth into as far as, Zach, as far as uh, what can our people do to help and, and and help support even beyond the, you know, the startup and the worshiping with us and those kinds of things? Yeah, absolutely.
2: So, um, my name is Zach Grace, like you said. Um, I get to be the recovery coordinator, which in essence, I'm like the pastor of the house. And... I'm, can I share a scripture? Yeah. Like, I'm just reminded of a scripture. No, and it, we, you can't
0: talk about the Bible. <laughs> you can't talk about the Bible. <laughs> no, it, like, when I
2: think about, like, um, like the church and us and how we partnership, it, I'm really reminded of Luke 5. And it's when Jesus hollers to Peter. He's been fishing all night, doing his thing all night. And he's like, throw your nets on the other side. Okay? And he's like, Jesus, I know what I'm doing. I do this for a living. But he throws his nets on the other side, and he catches so much fish that in verse 7, he says what? He says... Their nets were breaking, so he beckons to his partners to bring their nets. And that's basically what we do with the partner church. Like, your nets may look different than mine, but they're, like, individual counseling. That's what we need. Like, your net is... Uh, coming to do a Bible study with the men, coming to do a Bible study with the women. Um, It may be financially, that's the net that you can bring, but whatever you can bring, we need first phase counselors to come in and share the gospel from a guy like me. I'm a graduate of the program. You come in telling me about, you're going to worship, you're going to read the Bible, you're going to pray, and I'm like, bro, I don't know how to do none of that. (laughs) I've been this guy my whole life, so I needed someone to show me how to do these things. And then in second phase, now I'm a Christian. How does the Christian act? Well, I had a man come and meet with me weekly and show me how to be a man of God. And that's just a few of the opportunities we have. Um, and the women's centers that we have, the women, we need you to come there to be involved the same way. At the men's centers, we need men to come to the men's centers. And, and that's just how we partner and work together in this thing. Because if me and Steven had to do it all, it's impossible. So we beckon to you guys to come help us out. It's literally, I did the math. It's 177 hours of counseling that needs to be done each week. How many hours are in a week, kids? I'm just playing. 168 hours. So what that means is if I never slept, if I never seen my kid, if I never did anything but counsel and meet with these men, I still couldn't do it. So we need you guys.
0: You bring up uh, something about the ladies. I know it's ever since we've been talking about this. You know, We've been talking about Us starting a Hope Center, and the Hope Center and and addiction recovery is really just one piece of the puzzle that we feel God leading us to be a part of. Uh, This is one. uh, Another is a bus ministry. Another is uh, adoption and foster care, that kind of thing. Uh, But I've I've had, and I've had many people ask about this. You know, what about the ladies? What about what about the ladies that are struggling with addiction and ladies that would love to serve even more than you know just making food from time to time or whatever for you guys? You know, how can they be involved? And and our hope is. Is that down the line? We're, this isn't a one and done thing. This is, a, we're, we, we, but we just have to bite something off and, and chew it. And when we felt like God dropped you guys in our lap, it was like we're we're supposed to do this now. And so we're starting with a men's house, but our our hope and our goal is uh, that we turn around in the years to come. We do it. We do a, a ladies' house. Uh, you know, and I, I asked you earlier. You know, is there many churches that do both along the way?
1: Yes, there's uh, several locations. Uh, the one thing that we, we ask is that a church be able to support it with uh, volunteers, and uh, you guys can definitely do that. There's no doubt that we could do both here.
0: Yeah, uh, which I think would be awesome. Uh, Zach, I would, I would love for you to just share a little bit of, of your story, if you wouldn't mind.
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so, basically, I'll just kind of paint a quick picture of, of it for you. Um, you ever just like, maybe somebody can relate, maybe somebody can't. I was that kid that, like, I had the perfect childhood, like Hallmark movie swag, like <laughs> white picket fence type thing, and, um, but I was always seeking, like, something more. Like, I had everything I needed, but I was like, man, if I just make it to Christmas and get that new Madden or get, that, get them new shoes, like, then I'll be happy, and then Christmas would come, I would get those things, and I'd be like, man, maybe, maybe when my birthday gets here, then, then I'll... Then I'll be happy. And I lived with that feeling all the way up until one of my no- little knucklehead friends said, hey, man, try this alcohol. And when I drank that alcohol, I got that <sighs> feeling. And I made the decision right then and there in eighth grade, hey, I'm going to do whatever it takes to feel this way for the rest of my life, period. And that took me down about a 10 to 12-year road of alcohol to marijuana to cocaine to methamphetamine to um, to jail, to prison, to countless rehabilitation centers, to countless detox centers, to countless psychiatric hospitals, countless times waking up in Nashville ICU with a tube being pulled out of my throat. Them saying, hey, we found you in a sonic bathroom. Like, we need a number to call. And um, just countless things like that. And then took me, to the worst place it ever took me was um, my son. (laughs) My son was born addicted. To fentanyl and methamphetamine and they took him from me and um, you would think that a parent would stop right then but addiction doesn't give you a choice so that took me deeper down and uh, praise God I was standing in front of a judge and he said hey you're gonna go to back to prison For four years, or you're going to go to a year-long treatment center called the Hope Center? And I said, well, four years is a lot more than one year. (laughs) So I chose Hope Center. Little did I know that God had a plan to radically change my life. And because of that, and because of what happened to me in the Hope Center, because of a man coming and sharing Jesus with me, and me learning to cultivate my relationship with Jesus today... I'm about to celebrate five years clean and sober. Also, yeah, praise God. It's all God. Praise God. And not only that, like when I leave here, I'm about to go pick my son up. I've cooked him breakfast this morning. What I'm saying is I got full custody of Lincoln. He's about to be five years old, and he's just, uh, y'all know how five years old. Golly, man. But I oh, love we, him. He's my dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. we know. Yeah, I love him more than anything. And, and
0: Chris, I mean kids you got? What? We got a couple. yeah but we have one that was just five okay yeah well
2: he will be five in july and and, uh i went anyways but uh because of everything because of what hope center did for me um my son never has to know the man that i was you know he never has to know the criminal manipulator that guy all he knows is like the dad that wakes up and we we dance and worship in the living room together you know what i mean like my son's raised differently than i was and um you don't have to go down that path you know I've broken a generational curse in my life you know so it's just I just praise God for for everything he's done in my life and um all glory to him and that's just a little recap of me I could talk all day I'll ramble when you get me talking about Jesus I'll just talk and talk and talk so um but yeah that's just a quick recap of my life that's
0: all you got yeah okay man praise God praise God for what he's done in your life. And thank you for sharing it with us today. What a blessing for us. Um, and Stephen, same thing. Um, you know, th- this brings us to what we do. Well, we got to raise the rest of this money. That's what we do. And uh, next weekend is the big gift. And so I'm just asking you, as we've been asking, and, you know, just to pray. What, is, what, what might God lead you to bring as an extra offering next week uh, to give to help make this happen. Um, you know, last year we talked about this and we kind of like figured out, well, if you have X amount of families and they all gave $500 a piece, you know, you, you'd have two, two big gives and you'd get there, you know, this, to this goal. is actually a $300,000 goal we are uh, trying to do, talking about doing buses too, which by the way, any, I forgot to say this in first, but any overages of, you know, if we, if we, if we meet this, well, the extra money is going to go to us starting to do that. Uh, you know, so there, there's a blessing there coming right after that. Uh, but, uh, you know, so uh, but you, maybe you can't do 500. Maybe, maybe you can do whatever. I, you know, I, I think about, I think about uh, the woman in Mark 12 uh, who gave the two coins. And Jesus says she gave all she had. You know, and, and, and I, I just say seek the Lord in this. Don't give out of guilt. Only give out of joy. Let the Lord lead you in this you know, and and we're going to see, I I, would, I personally, I would love, I would love, maybe this isn't what the Lord wants, but I would love to see us in two weeks writing the Hope Center a check and say, game on, let's go, let's do this, you know, and so uh, for me and my family, we're praying, we're praying right now, we're praying this week about what is it that we're going to bring as our extra offering uh, to be a part of the Big Give, to be, uh, going toward the Hope Center this coming week. So the way and the way this works is, uh, you know, next week uh, the offering, you know, we'll take like uh, whatever the offering is at the end of it. You know, we'll take like the normal, uh, like a normal amount for us to operate out of that, and everything over that on that day is going uh, toward the Hope Center. So uh, pray about it. Let the Lord lead you. And whatever it is, you know, I, I know it's much my. I said it's first service. We we just we spend money on the dumbest stuff sometimes, don't we? I mean, if we're just real honest with ourselves, like we're really good at just being dumb with money. Maybe one of those households are like, hey, y'all got every cent. Congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, You're probably better off to help do something like this if that's the case. Uh, But for so many of us, we we spend money in dumb ways. Uh, you know. And if if you had somebody come to you this week and say, well, this is broken. You got to fix it. It's going to cost you 500 bucks or whatever it is. You know, you'd be like, well, I don't like it, but we're going to come up with it, you know. So I, just pray about it. Just pray about it. Pray about whatever the sacrifice is that God might call you to be uh, doing uh, in this. But at the end of the day, it's just let the Lord lead you. Let the Lord lead you. I don't want it to be about a specific number. Let the Lord lead you in whatever it may be. Um, I, would, I would love for us to, to kind of close this time in us praying uh, for us as a church, uh, but also for these guys and what they're doing. Uh, because they got their hands full. They're day in, day out. Uh, I mean, you can imagine, like, it's just, uh, yeah, the, the, the crazy stuff that these guys get to deal with. Uh, God bless you guys for, for what you do. I love what you do. I love going over to the house and hanging out with them. I wish I did it more, uh, and I just need to do it more. Yeah, please do, please do.
1: So I, I don't want you to take my word for it or Zach's. Yep. Uh, we have a location right down the road here in Greenbrier. Come and see it for yourself. Come and see what you're investing in. You don't even have to call. You can just show up. That's how much I believe in what we're doing. Go over there. Talk to the men. See the house. See the location. and See what we're going to do right here at this church.
0: Let's, uh, let's take a second and let's pray together. Can we do that? Let's pray. God, we come to you, and God, we need you to lead us. We need you to lead us in what it looks like for us to be faithful uh, in fulfilling the call of uh, ministering to the people that are on this mission field that you have given us. Um, God, I pray, um, Lord, that not only would you find us faithful with whatever that looks like, but God, that you would just, you just keep putting this stuff in front of us and just help us to walk through the doors as you open them. Uh, Lord, you lead. You lead. God, I pray, I pray right now for the folks that are in these programs right now through all the all these hope centers that are already going, Lord, the one that Stephen and, and Zach both help uh, at these centers. God, I, I pray, Lord, that you would just be with them. God, guide them and direct them, uh, Lord, to lead people to you. God, I pray, Lord, that, that people, Lord, that have never known you, God, would know what it looks like and see what it looks like, Lord, to trust in the truth of the gospel, God, that they might believe in their heart that you raised Jesus from the dead and that you would change their life. God, I pray right now for anybody that's hearing this right now, God, that has never trusted in you, to believe in their heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. God, I pray that today that you would save them today. God, forgive them of their sin. Make them a new creation. God, give them a new life. Give them the joy that only comes from you. God, just Do a great work in them today. God, we pray for that. God, thank you for allowing us, God, to serve you. God, lead us in our giving and all the things. God, just guide us through it. Lord, we ask all this in your son's name. Amen.